And welcome back to another episode of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast, Harlem's very own. Hi. Featuring, as always, your three black and historic co-hosts. Speaking first, it's Justin Winley, a.k.a. Just Stash, a.k.a. Panel Poppy, joined by my boy. Yo, what's up? It's Drew, a.k.a. Derailed, a.k.a. Milcom X, a.k.a. Simba Stefanucci. Wow. <laughs> and our third mic. <laughs> Uh, what's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Amar K. Simmons. <clears throat> I got Caribbean food right in front of me right now, so I'm... <laughs> and I'm listen, mad. I am blessed right now, okay? Um, and uh, today, uh, on another edition of HVO Features, we are happy to be joined by a guest. Justin, um, I'm sorry. Can, when, you, um, when you cut this, when you edit this, can you like put like the holy music on him? The ha when, when we introduce his I'll name? I'll see what I can do. We are joined by a guest, uh, a Pace alumni, a minister, a diplomat, an all-around fly guy, Seneca Forge, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, <laughs> good morning, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to meet all of you on this podcast and to be with my dear friends, the Marvelous Three yeah. of HVO Pop. Mm. He is a Harlem resident, and not, of course, we don't exclusively interview people from Harlem on the show, but... Harlem is the best, though. It is, you know. Thank you. We know it, but we don't like to say it, because we're running the show called Harlem's Very Own, so if we say the it, it's like... know it, too, so yeah, we got yeah, it goes yeah. um, and, Brooklyn and, is ridiculous. And Wes is back there shaking his head. Meanwhile, we're recording in his apartment that he you exclusively moved here. You uh, moved operates out of. Right. I, I was told not to talk. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Justin popping in to remind you that if you're a returning listener or listening for the first time, leaving a rate and a review wherever you are listening greatly helps us out. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the show. <laughs> but um, yes, so we wanted to get one more guest in before February ended, and we all thought that Seneca would be a great choice. Uh, I knew Seneca loosely through Pace. As I mentioned, he's an alumni. He was the president while I was there of the Christian Fellowship at Pace. Um, and then upon graduating is when we started to kind of connect more. But I, I look at this as an opportunity to, um, to do so formally and informally, as, as is our way on the show. So Seneca, um, feel free to kind of introduce yourself, in le at least in terms of uh, where you are now, um, kind of where you've been for the past few years, what, what some of your passions are. Of course, we have questions for you, but... Sure. You know, if you were if you were in an elevator with our listeners, which you might be, or on the subway, how would you how would you grab their attention? Um, well, we'll start from where we are now. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, well, you kind of gave the introduction already. I am a um, I'm a preacher. I'm a minister, Kojic Pentecostal minister. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, a policy advisor for the mission of the country of Jamaica here at the United Nations, um, doing a bunch of things. Under under wraps right now, working on a few projects. Mm -hmm. um, graduated, like you said, from Pace University, class of 2019. I think that was the last class to to experience a full yep. classroom experience before um, yes. what this thing called the pandemic yes. took over just everything. But um, yeah, graduated 2019, Pace University, um, where I'm from, from Phoenix, Arizona, mm. Valley of the sun yeah this is a place where it's just like 120 degrees easy 
flat. Dry Jesus heat. Christ. <laughs> you ever cook an egg over over your um dashboard? <laughs> um, you can bake cookies in your car. You try that? Um, I've, I've I've had friends that have done that, and um, mm. the cookies were burnt on the bottom. That's how hot it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't know you were from Phoenix until you sent us that, uh, you know, your like pre-interview package. I would never have, have guessed. And of course, you mentioned that you've lived sort of a, a bi-coastal yeah. life, traveling back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, my my folks, well, my parents were pretty much separated for a, a large portion of, well, the majority of my my life up to mm-hmm. now. Um, so what the arrangement was that any time, um, it was either during the summer or during the Christmas break, I was either... Um, with my father in, and his and um, and my stepmom and my sister on this side of the of the coast, mm-hmm. and then during the school year, I was with my mom and her side of the family on um, on the west coast. My mom, my grandparents, step stepfather, sisters, every everybody. So we, it's it's basically we were I, I was I was on both sides literally. <laughs> what do you prefer, east or west? Um, dang it, Jude. I'm sorry. It was one of my this or that questions. Go uh, ahead and answer it. No, it's good. I just wrote it down, too. The mind meld is real. Uh, <laughs> we, we spent so much time together. Uh, honestly, they're, they balance each other out. It's, it's difficult to say because um, he, being here in New York, it offers all of the opportunities that I've been looking for mm-hmm. and then all of the cultures that I don't have to, to, work, to a point where I don't need to feel like I have to be one person and then switch code switch to another person because growing up in Phoenix... It, you're either white, African American, or um, Mexican, <laughs> yeah. Mm. And so, being a person who was never really in that mold, um, I was constantly navigating. Okay, I'm this person, and um, I'm also African. I'm also Jamaican. I'm also like proud of my culture. So even though I'm in a place where I'm just in the midst of like a majority of of Caucasian and a majority of Hispanics. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna rip my culture. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm basically a big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Um, but being here in New York was really it, it allowed me to, a place to really belong outside of family. Um, but the way that Arizona balances out is that it gives me a place where I can just decompress. Sure. <laughs> um, because again, New York. Everybody's here. Everybody who's anybody come, comes here, and that creates a lot of noise, and that creates a lot of hustle, that creates a lot of bustle. Like even waking up on a regular day, you're just tired because New York is just it is. Even though it sleeps, the city that never sleeps. Yeah, um, it's, it's yeah. overwhelming. It's over very overwhelming. So um, even though I don't necessarily see myself really moving back to Arizona, Arizona has definitely been a balancing factor between my between my travels. So. Um, Visually, New York. I prefer New York, but Arizona will always be my will be my foundation. Mm. Sons of the Knicks. You know, I'm I'm gonna put my hat in for the Suns. I'm I'm I, I, I feel in the spirit. Suns got KD now, so I I, I, I feel a, I feel a push in the spirit for, for, <laughs> for the Suns. <laughs> a move of God for the Phoenix Suns. I, 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 I just see it. The sun is gonna shine. It comes <laughs> in the sun, and I say yeah. it's alright. That's that. the whitest thing I did on this podcast. <laughs> Every once in a while, it comes out. Yeah, yeah okay. and that's okay. It's part of your heritage too. It is. Um, it is. I I. Uh, I actually want to use that to, to springboard into this first question, which is just to talk a little more in detail about um, the mixture of the different 
aspects of you, uh, specifically as it pertains to your faith journey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talked about obviously because your parents were separated, kind of being in different church environments at different times, or if you went with your grandparents, it was one vibe versus when you went with your mom or your dad. Um, Could you talk a little bit about not only how that, how those experiences when you were young shaped your faith, but also now as you're older, as you travel between different places, you know, how you uh, uh, experience um, Christianity, mm-hmm. whether, you know, co- bi-coastal or abroad, because mm-hmm. you've been to a lot of places outside the country. This man's been to Switzerland. This man's been to Jamaica. This man's been to Ghana, right? Ghana, yeah. France, other places. D- different, different places. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. yeah um, it's like the James Bond of the Bible. So, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That's a very interesting question. Um, growing up in different denominations, um, it kind of gave me the ability to speak in different languages. Sure. Um, because when you grow up in a Pentecostal church, and then, because I grew up in a Pentecostal church with, with my mom, and then um, when I went to church with my grandparents, it was a predominantly um, Caucasian Baptist church. <laughs> so, and, and I think also, I mean, just for the sake of our listeners who might not be familiar, as much as you can, maybe explain some of the delineation between the denominations that you were in. Um, it kind of boils down to the to the doctrines and the way that we worship. Mm. Um, we, in, in the Pentecostal church, we really stress the importance of um, the operation of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a tripartite um, um, organiz- organization of God because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the part that we stress is the is the part in Acts that talks about how when um, the disciples were in the upper room and they were all in one accord, the Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in tongues of fire. Um, so we really stress the part of really walking with the Spirit of God, um, walking in in understanding, walking in wisdom, and then just the part of worship is not just something that's stoic. Worship can't be stoic. Mm. David says, um, uh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So that means you're not just worshiping with your mouth, you're worshiping with your hands, you're playing the tambourine, you're doing, like you're you're giving your full self when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're in church. And even when you're out of church, it's not just something that you're, you have to, it, like, it's not something that you can, can keep contained in yourself. Sure. The quiet mass. The quiet, the quiet yeah. mass. It's, it's just, it can't be that because um, I think it goes even back to Jeremiah when I, when I just, when he just meditates fire on God. It's like, it's like that, that, that fire that's shut up in your bones. So when you really get into the spirit of God, that really, um, it really takes you to a certain place where you just can't contain yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my understanding. That's that's how I be, that's how I grew in my faith, being in in a Pentecostal church, and then also growing up in a Baptist church. It also taught me to, to how how to put those things into lang- into actual language, like something you can't explain in the, in the Pentecostal church. The scholastic, um, what do you call it? The scholastic excellence of these particular churches mm. helps you put those things into words. And really show how um, how God operates in um, in a more academic setting, if so to say. Okay, so would you say that the Baptist churches, at least as you've experienced them, put a greater emphasis on 
the sort of articulation the and articulation, like study the of lang- exactly exactly like okay. I would mm. I, I, we we would go to I was a part of this um this group there called Awana where we it was we had to learn and memorize certain scriptures mm-hmm. and it became it became repetitive so, to the point where. It, there's even points now where I speak to people and I have to quote a scripture. I'm just like, oh, there's a song. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then it just it just became that repetition and that that um, that that memory. And I don't want to say the doctrine, but just that whole um, framework really gave me my upbringing to really show me how to not just operate in the spirit but how to express it to people so that they can get an understanding cross of culturally cross culturally exactly because um god is not a one race god <laughs> mm. um and that's something that i learned being in both places um we have different ways of acknowledging who god is but at this at some point we, there's always that common that common ground that talks about how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and I'll call them from all these different nations, and like we we serve God in different ways, but at the same time, we're just all going to the same God. Um, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I think I think yeah, you've definitely painted a picture of how um, you, from an early age, have understood the particulars and the subtleties of. Uh, again, those cross-cultural differences, and you know, especially in, in, in something like Christianity, which does have so many sects and mm-hmm. denominations, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and is so tied into, especially in America, other things, which we can get into later. I have a question about that, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's kind of what I, I I wondered or wanted to get a handle on, and um, and I imagine, of course, that fed your interest in <laughs> in diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely, um, because we. That even that exposure sort of opened my eyes to how people worship God and talk to God from different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, like one part, one component that I looked at, one component that I looked at was, um, or one aspect that I looked at, looked at was how the Ethiopians um, look, um, practice their Christianity because their Christianity goes back centuries, even before the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at how they found their they're looking at how they serve, looking at how they um, they worship, looking at how they communicate in terms of um, in terms of their own faith and how they just um, treat each other. That was just a whole other aspect that showed me that um, this is not a Western ideology. This is yeah. something that this is deep. <laughs> yeah. This this faith thing goes deep, and um, there's just so many dimensions to it, and we can never limit ourselves to um, what the Western world sh- shows us about Christianity. This, we, we really have to do more digging on our part, mm-hmm. um, not just in the cultural sense, not just in the uh, visual sense, but also in the spiritual sense, um, really connecting on a spiritual level beyond what we're taught in the books, mm. really adopting the the. the um, the concepts of prayer. How do you really, how, like, what does it mean to really communicate with God? We really have to look at what it means to, um, to number one, be still. <laughs> and in number two, establishing that communication where we can hear God clearly. Mm. What do you mean by still? Um, even in a setting like this, this still can be a whole bunch of noise happening and we're, 
constantly letting, letting our minds go rampant, trying to think of the next question, trying to think of the next thing to say, trying to think of the next thing to do. What did we think of this? Why did this person talk to us this way? Why did this person talk to us that way? Why don't I? Why do I feel this way? Why do we feel that way? Why do we feel angry? Why do we feel sad? I mean, you're just dealing with all these things, not just on the outward appearance, but also on the inward appearance. And so when the Bible talks about be still and know that I am God, it also ta- it talks about still things on the outside, but you also need to take a moment to still things on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a verse that I like to go back to. Um, it talks, I, I forget what the, the fullness of the verse, but the one particular point sticks out to me. It's, and it talks about um, bringing every vain imagination under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. So that means, to me, that means also take, taking all those rogue thoughts that are causing your mind to go all these different directions. That means taking certain um, certain things or certain thoughts that are just not serving you, but bringing them under subjection mm-hmm. so that you, your mind can be still, so that your mind can be at peace, so that you can really just, um, so that you can really just be still. Um, the Bible, the Bible talks about how Jesus, when he before he left, he said, "My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you, but I give you the sense of peace, the sense of assurance that doesn't come from the world, but comes for directly from a heavenly source, directly from the throne down to you. So that no matter what you're going through, um, you." You, number one, you can get through it, but at the same time, you can come out in a way where people wonder, like, this was supposed to cause you to have a nervous breakdown. Why are you still operating? <laughs> yeah. There's the scripture that always says, all things work for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, through disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we 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 we've we've spoken. I we, we we've all dealt with disappointments that have just taken us by surprise. But for some reason, we're still here, <laughs> hmm. and we're doing better than we could have ever imagined years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, let's open it up. Either of you, Ahmad, Jude, have another question or point? Okay, um, <clears throat> Ahmad, uh, just to give us you know context, how, how old are you? Seneca? 26. 26. Wow. Um, now, with us being all around the same age, when did you feel like you were able to give yourself to God? And were there any doubts from the point where you gained that access to mm-hmm. him to now? Like, I'm pretty sure it's 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 been a journey. It's been a journey for a lot of people. People who have decided to not believe, who have decided to believe, mm-hmm. who decided to believe other religions. Um, but for for you, what was the? I guess what was the? Um, how can I say this? The impetus or the kind yeah of the, the yeah. inspiration or yeah the inspiration like that 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 one that was like okay. I'm Maybe in. I'm 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 ready to give my all, but I want to deepen our relationship, which makes you become a preacher now, become a, mm. you know, a, a, a minister. Because I, I have a friend that I went to middle school with. <laughs> he was in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and he was preaching the word at ten years old. Mm-hmm. Now this man's a reverend, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so it's just like, what made you keep going? Um, and and I know people was like, oh, God kept me going, but no, it's like, what well, what in you mm-hmm. made you? want to know more and fulfill your life in the path of God. Mm-hmm. Um, let, 
I, I see three pins. So let's let's go with the spiritual aspect, then we can go with the physical, and then which, whatever happens to have a third point. So keep me accountable in that in that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, spirit spiritually, what has kept me going is just the newness of it. Um, it's constantly different. Like each year is never the same. Um, the impetus came at a point where even when I was in university where so much was happening and um, I had friends and I had family that I could talk to but it wasn't really doing it wasn't really hitting where it needed to hit mm. <laughs> um, it wasn't given what it needed to give right. it was, what it, it just needed wasn't to given. have gave yeah so it's like <laughs> so I, I found myself in, in a number of moments where it's just like I can't really t- like who can I talk to <laughs> Um, and you, you're really trying to find that one person and it's just like, nah, nah, nah. Mm. And then it was just at that, it was just in a particular moment where it was just like, you want, you want to talk to all these people, but you don't want to talk to me. <laughs> mm. um, and, and that convicted me. So I really just started having these conversations with, with God. Um, and and th- after that, things just started falling into alignment. People that I needed to be connected to um, I didn't even have to reach out. They found me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like it was at that point, like I was, I started getting connected with people that were from from Christian Fellowship and people that really knew what it meant to not just walk or talk the talk, but just but also walk the walk. Whether it be in prayer, whether it be in Bible study, whether it be um, whether it be just in going out, out to really hear what's going on with each one another, to build up one another, to strengthen one another. And um, to really show and to show each other what it means to walk in this particular walk and to grow comfortably. Um, and so from the, it was from that point and then dealing with a number of different issues that came up, of course, in university and then um, after university, it, it, it's like the more you walk with God, the more he shows you different, different components, different 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 aspects of who he is and what he can do for you what he can do through you um just it's just that communication line there's a particular scripture one of my favorite scriptures is um call on me and i will answer you that's one part and that he says and and i will also show you great and mighty things which you do not know um and that's been the that, that that's been the our our communication our communication. So I, I I can't say that I'm perfect because it's this walk is an everyday thing, um, and we're constantly learning learning new things each and every day. But um, that that's 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 the that's the fullness of of how I've learned and how I've grown is that just that whole communication part is um is key. Call on me, and I can say that every time I've called on God. <laughs> May not have been how I wanted it, may not have been how I thought it was going to be, but um, he answered. Mm-hmm. I was like, even even in the midst of the pandemic, I was laid off from a from a position from a position that would would have been well paid in a mm-hmm. high ranking law firm, and then I, I was laid off because of the pandemic. And I'm just wondering what in the world I'm going to do. Am I going to do? Do I apply to go back to school? Do I apply to these different jobs that are probably not hiring? And um, I didn't get an immediate answer, but I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into diplomacy. I wanted to go into law, and um, it it took some time, 
I sent out resumes and just forgot about everything and just said, you know what, forget it. <laughs> um, let me just focus on me right now and just get through this, <laughs> get through this um, this tumultuous pandemic. Um, and then lo and behold, I went home back to Phoenix. And then as I'm getting ready to go back to New York, I get a call from the Consulate General of Jamaica, the Deputy Consul General. And they said, we want you to come in for an interview. And I said, nice. but this, here's the thing. Yeah. They said, um, you need to come in person. We can't do this online. And so I told the person, I can't come. This is in 2020, height of the pandemic, right? This is 2021. So it's like... Oh, it's like... Leaning off? It's sort of leaning off the peak. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was, they, they, they said that because you can't come in, we can't give you this interview. But uh, if there's any other positions that open up, we'll be more than happy to give you a call. Mm -hmm. I kid you not, the very next day... <laughs> mm. The same gentleman called me and said, okay, um, when can you come in? Mm. <laughs> when can you come in? I told him when I, come in, when I could come in. And um, long story short, we did the interview. They said, you know, we were interviewing you for a telephone position just to answer phones and everything, but your qualifications ex far exceed that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not even going to give you that position. We're going to put you in a, um, a position that you may not be comfortable with, but if you can do this, there might be other positions that open up. So um, they gave me the position of a finance clerk handling the finances wow. of a foreign government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> but let me tell you, like that's not even that, that's not even the the crazy part. The crazy part was when we had a. Um, let me take these off. Um, the, oh. cra <laughs> the glasses have dropped, ladies and gentlemen. The the, cra the crazy the craziest part that happened was that we were having a birthday celebration for the head of the the head of the mission, which was our consul general. And um, one of the part one of the tradition of the party is that um, everybody goes around to say to say a few words. Um, to the consul general, just a few words, just to wish her happy birthday and everything. And so it got to me. I'm just like I'm. I'm not even a few days on the job yet. So um, it comes to me, and I'm just like, okay, what do I say? And then um, I'm just I'm racking my brain. I'm racking my brain. And then the Holy Ghost says, say this. And then um, as I was speaking, it's just like the word just came out that says. It goes back to the scripture says that the the heart of the ruler is in the hands of is in the hands of the Lord. And then I, I don't even know what I said after that, but it just like the whole room went silent. Mm. <laughs> and um, next thing you know, strings were moved around. And um, I was next thing you know, I was getting an offer to become the community relations officer for the consulate for the consulate general, which is sort of in many ways, which is in many ways, the third in command for the mission. Wow. So I jumped from. What way I would have been a, a phone attendant to being a finance clerk to jumping like over the heads of multiple people who applied, yeah, <laughs> to that to such a high ranking position, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I get how the, the scripture says that your giftings will make room for you, but it's just like yeah. this, this, like when you walk it out, and you see it in real life, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> um. Not to say that there was any, there wasn't any struggle because there was. <laughs> you deal with a lot of um, personalities. You deal with a lot of um, people who don't necessarily want you to see you succeed in a position like that because they hate you. It. Skip them. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking all that hater raid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and on top of that, I'm, I'm not 
even though I have Jamaican heritage, I'm not. I wasn't born and raised in Jamaica, so they're just like this American. <laughs> right, right, right. Is in a is in a, is in a position that should be belong to a Jamaican. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so dealt dealt with a lot. Like when I say out the hours that were put in, it was like get in at nine, leave at like eleven p.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just some things were just not working out, and that um, things were said, and to the point that they were turning the consul general on me. <laughs> mm. And um, I think, thank God, that like s- certain things were said, and um, I was just in a position to really, uh, to, to be, <laughs> even though it was a humbling experience, to, to to get the upper hand. And I was called into the room by the consul general, and she said, um, "So there's a position." opening up outside of the consulate. And um, I put in a good word for you. And if you want it, it's yours. And she told me that it was a position um, that would be with the mission of Jamaica to the United Nations. And um, uh, it wouldn't definitely wouldn't be in the same sort of category that I was working in, but it would be a great experience for me. Yeah. So... Um, I took the position. I started as a finance clerk again, <laughs> mm-hmm. but again, it's like the door just kept opening and opening and opening to the point where it's just like I'm no longer just a finance clerk, but I'm now a policy advisor. I'm not longer just a policy advisor, but I'm a media attaché where I'm not just working at a desk. Like my, in, I'm in my own office, yeah. and I'm working directly with um, with the Minister of Foreign of Foreign Affairs, which is like our the US, U.S.'s equivalent of like a secretary of state. Mm. So I'm interacting with them directly, taking their photos, walking with them to these high-level events. I'm sitting in on some of like the very thing that these newscasts like CNN, Al Jazeera, the moments that they're trying to capture, I'm literally right in the middle of all of that. How does that feel? It's surreal. <laughs> it's surreal because, um, again... I, I I had always wanted to be in a position like this, but to actually be there, to have to, had to have an all access pass, just just show them your your pass and you go through, um, to be in the same room as heads of state, to be in the same room as people who are making decisions that will not just impact their country but the entire world is just mind blowing to me, <laughs> and this is not just like like twenty as a twenty six year old, this is not even the beginning, <laughs> yeah. So when like that's just, that, that that's the physical aspect. This, that's the spiritual aspect. Um, when I was growing up, I would always imitate my 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 um my pastor, jumping up all, up and down the bed saying, "And the Lord said." <laughs> I had like I, I I I was telling you guys, I had a con- I had a collection of microphones, and I just mm-hmm. I I just knew I was a preacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and and there was a time I was just like you know I don't think I want to but the people but everyone was like you you used to preach and you used to do this and you used to do th-. I'm just like I don't want but I, that's not what they're I want to do they're quick to remind you what you did as a kid <laughs> like, oh, we got we got it on tape yep. <laughs> but but the the epiphany really came in, in college when I was just like you know what, let me just surrender to this maybe God does want me to be a preacher so I just I'm talking to my mom and then um my mom was like oh oh okay so I'm just think think about this and then I and then. Sorry, this is. I'm giving you guys just a whole warp of time. Like, hey man, it makes for <laughs> it, it makes for good conversation on a good podcast. <laughs> um, I'll give you this last little bit. Then it's we'll, your interview. <laughs> <laughs> they tired of hearing us talk. So, 
the the part that really just gave me the the go ahead to really just pursue my passion was when I spoke to my pastor and I said, "You know something? I'm maybe I'm called to ministry." And my pastor was like, "Okay, let's have a, let's sit down and have a conversation." Um, you, this is he didn't say like this is not for you, but this is like you don't. This is not something you go into immediately. This is something that comes with time. Why? Why? Uh, it's a lot to lead a pe- to lead people. <laughs> you know, it's it's so interesting. Um, earlier today, I was watching a couple of sermons um, from Jackie Hill Perry, who's mm-hmm. a spoken word artist and um, and uh, and a, a theologian and, and preacher, and. She has a sermon called, I'll, I'll text it to you. It's called Watch Your Mouth. Mm-hmm. She's teaching about, you know, the power of the tongue, which is something that even Daniel brought up in yeah, our last one, one of his favorite scriptures. Yeah. Um, and she speaks out of James 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, James is addressing, I don't actually know the particulars of how, why James was written or to whom. The Church of Jerusalem. Thank you, Producer Wes. Uh, in the first verse, he says, it would be better for most of you not to become teachers mm-hmm. because you will be judged more harshly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that my bishop is always reminding, you know, the congregation of, and we all know the idea of the false prophet, right? You know, J. Cole made a song called False Prophets. We all know mm-hmm. the idea, right? Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. But if you're claiming to speak on behalf of someone, again, something that you understand working in diplomacy, then you are carrying a greater weight. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, because the tongue is so powerful, it can control masses of people. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for the, the fate of these people's souls, right? So it's you're, like- You're held to account. Which is why, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you decide, okay, I want to be a preacher, mm-hmm. any good mentor that you have is going to be like, are you sure are you about sure? that? Yeah. <laughs> and and that, again, that's, that was his conversation, but he really showed me a system. Ministry is not just in the church. Yeah. And that's a misconception that many people in the church have is that in order to minister, you have to be in the church. You have to be a preacher. You have right. to be an evangelist and you have to be a missionary. But what my pastor really showed me was the fact that my own ministry is not necessarily in the pulpit. It's really going to these high places and really being the light that you're supposed to be. Um, and going back to, to the point of ministry, the Bible talks about uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not just talking about the plane, like the physical, all the world, but also talks about, it's, it also means going into the business field. It also means going into the field of diplomacy. Mm-hmm. It also means going to the, into these industries where people are in need. People are hurting. People are literally walking with open sores because people have hurt them and they are crying out, but there's nobody that can hear them. So... When I got that talk, when I got that word from my pastor, I just it was just like it was, it was like a, an aha moment. Mm-hmm. It was that aha moment. So it was just like you know what, you're right. I can speak, but it might it might not be in the pulpit. Mm. It might be when I'm working with this ambassador, when I'm walking and talking with this ambassador, and just even case in point, it's like doors opening. When I was working for the concert, where I was not just working in my capacity, I was also preaching <laughs> during devotionals. Mm. During the cons at the consulate, so it's just like no matter where you went, no 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 matter that where seemed to keep popping up. That it's like people would just come and say, "Okay, I need to talk to you about this," and they were just like, "So what do you think about this?" And I would just say A, B, and C, and they would say, "You know, I never thought about it this way," 
and I've never heard you speak in this particular way before. And they're just like, you walk different. <laughs> yeah. um, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So um, that's really been a foundational point in why I'm, and why I pursue what I'm doing so hard and with such a passion because I'm doing what I love, but I'm also doing it with, with, um, with a spiritual authority, with a spiritual. Pa- I'm doing it with a physical passion, but also with a spiritual passion as well. It's like this is where I belong. This is where I'm supposed to be, and it's re- like you just see the the fruits of that. So, um, yeah, that's, it's really, it's really, it's just been, it's been amazing. Now, fulfilling God's work. <laughs> uh, what is religion's place in 2023? Um, religion doesn't work. <laughs> religion doesn't work. Re- it's relationship that's what's needed. Relationship is needed, not religion. Relationship. Um, you need to be able to communicate. All all these different religions have this so-called way of connecting on us on a spiritual level, on a divine level, but. Th- in these particular religions, it's like there's no reciprocation, there's no spiritual reciprocation, and you're making all these petitions and all these different, um, these, taking on these different protocols, but there's really no reciprocation. Um, what people really need is spiritual connection, relational connection, and that's what I find in my own relationship with God, when I call, he responds. And it's not just like in a small way. It's just like, you prayed for this, and here it is. You wanted this answer. Here it is. And even, even, in, like, even in not so great moments, it's like I still have somebody that's there with me in the midst of it all. Like I, even, even, when I, even when I'm by myself, it's just like I still, I, I still feel that presence. I, I, I appreciate that question, Jude, uh, because, and I appreciate your response. It, it kind of connects to a question I had. Um, recently, I learned about this organization called the AND Campaign, mm-hmm. um, which seeks to essentially raise uh, politically literate Christians, mm-hmm. but to establish that there is there are politics and there's Christianity that like no one political party can say that they are the party of Christ. Right. Uh, but we, we obviously know living in America that there have been different times throughout history that either party has said or tried to co-opt, um, certain aspects of Christianity or of the Bible or whatever, for whatever cause was, they felt was appropriate at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and oftentimes it just turns into these like, Kind of people trying to like outwit each other with the Bible and say whatever, whatever. Just playing Bible jujitsu. Exactly. <laughs> so my question to you, as someone who actually works in, again, diplomacy and seeks, I assume, a further career in politics, um, how, first of all, do you feel about that sort of dichotomy between you know balancing your religion? Uh, and your faith, really, let's call it faith, as you said, uh, in relationship with Christ and your career in politics. Um, well, what, what you said is, has always been a point of debate 
in the church if you if you're saved if you're really in the church should you really be involved involved in politics should mm. you be out there voting and should you be out there protesting in, in these different campaigns and mm-hmm. and even though some of them don't necessarily have your best interest like not best interest but they don't necessarily hold the same beliefs as you um it's been it's it's been an argument since even before we were born um the way that i think about it is through the examples of different figures um not just in the bible but also in our history our contemporary history um for example going to the bible you have daniel who was an advisor to the king taken captive made an advisor to the king of babylon (laughs) yeah um which was which was a kingdom that was in direct opposition to his own faith but because he was in god put him in, in such a position to advise him the wisdom that god gave him put him in a position to not just be an advisor but to also be a change agent. a change a change agent mm-hmm. and um i think about the scripture that talks about that how um, the government shall rest upon his shoulders mm. uh, when it talks about jesus the government the governments and the nations shall rest upon his shoulders um so I don't think that um, I don't think that Christians should bar themselves from involvement in politics, but it has to be by the leading of the Spirit. It has to be th- through much prayer, through and, and even through much fasting. You look at figures like Dr. Martin Luther King. You look at people like um, Ambassador Andrew Young. Mm-hmm. You look at people like um, Ambassador Ralph Bunch. All these figures in history that made some of the most earth-shaking change that one can think of to the point where their, their words are still resonating to this day, they were saved. Mm. <laughs> um, but at the same time, um, they never let the politics get in the way of their own, their own faith. It was actually their faith that drove them in the, in the different directions that they, that, they, um, that they took. So like when you look at Martin Luther King, he didn't want to do this civil rights movement. <laughs> if you listen to his sermon at a knock at midnight, he did not want to do this. Mm. He had a wife, he had kids, but it's just like, listen, bro. <laughs> mm. We there, yes, there's all these people that are qualified, but we need you, mm. <laughs> Ralph Bunch, um, who was a key figure who brought about the peace between Israel and the Middle Eastern states. If you see yourself, like when you see yourself in a particular position and you know that you can make a change in that particular position, why wouldn't you pursue that? Right. Why do you think God would not want you to serve in that particular position? In fact, what if that was your God-given assignment (laughs) to work in this particular field and not behind a podium, not Mm. in the choir stand? (laughs) We We have to remember it's like, that, that scripture that says we are a royal priesthood. The, and, and that's two parts. We're royal, we're kings, we're queens. We walk with a certain prestige and we have certain privileges. And then we have the priesthood. And so we walk, we operate in a sort of dual dual state of being where we're operating in, re, in a sense of regality as well as walking in the spirit and doing what God requires us to do in these various different um these very these various um, fields fields exactly 
I, um, I I did take a sneak peek into Jude's notebook. I, he has one you, question. I'm kind why, of interested to hear your take. Why are you, why are you peeking? Um, I wanted to. I'm, I'm not going to copy questions. your homework, but copy I do just want to say before before you which ask. Which one was that, it? You say it. Which one? Which one of my questions you want to use? It, no, I'm not going to use it. I, it was it was this one that I saw. That that's an interesting question. But oh, that's be- messy. Before we get to that. Just to your point, there's a, there's been a recent ad campaign. I don't know how many of you have oh seen it. Oh my god, a Super Bowl one. Jesus. He gets us. Oh. And yes, when yeah. I I didn't I didn't see because I, I guess what, first of all I watched the Super Bowl in in Ontario this year, so I think the, the commercials that I saw were different. But um, I heard that it aired in America. I had seen some of their ads previously, like on YouTube and TV, and I was like, "What is this?" Like I I mean it's it surprised me because on the one hand you don't really ever see. Commercial, commercial, yeah, commercial um, uh, promotion of Jesus, and so Jesus. then, yeah, so then I, that's actually made me a little bit skeptical. But um, raise red flags, it, yeah, not red, yellow, more like like, like caution, yeah, caution. Like, let me watch this really yeah, quick. Because... Approach slowly, um, <laughs> and what it seems to be, I mean, I think a lot of people, again, on the right and left, have issues with it for different reasons, right? Like when that Super Bowl commercial aired. The right was saying, oh, they're trying to make Jesus woke. Oh, they're trying to say he was a hippie. Oh, whatever. Uh, versus the left being like, oh, look at this waste of money. You spent $20 million uh, for two minute long uh, advertisements when you could have given that to the poor. You could have whatever, whatever. So again, this is where the politics diverge from what, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing even a little bit of a podcast I was just listening to, but like what Christians, like you said, are supposed to identify as uh, the great mission, which is to spread the gospel, right? And this website uh, or this foundation allegedly might have some ties to evangelical Christians, which specifically in America have, it's kind of like, you know what I mean? That has its own connotation. But I do think that it's, if the motive is to try to reach people who otherwise wouldn't be interested in learning about Jesus, who like, regardless of even taking apart the the religious aspect of it, like was a historical figure, even if it's just about learning about him as a man, um, I think that that's an interesting initiative. Um, of course, there are probably religious ties to it, but I the reason I thought about that question, Jude, is just because of the evangelical aspect. How do you feel it. about uh, uh, church leaders like Joe Osteen and uh, mega church culture? <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah, and not even just Joel Osteen, right? Uh, there's there's that guy Kenneth Copeland, the black dude. Rich, no, he's not black. He's very white. There's a number of pastors number that of use. God actually, as a no, this actually is still a good question. Actually, because you grew up in um, Phoenix, mm-hmm. kind of like the the quadrant of that area. Because where, where where's Osteen in like Texas? I think. Uh, the Bible yeah. Belt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Copeland is in Lubbock, Texas. He's the richest pastor in America. He's got a net Wait, worth that creepy one? of $300 million. Yes, the creepy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he once said that he didn't like to fly commercial because it's like being in a long tube filled with demons, and that's why he has a private jet. Wow. Is that, is that somebody we should rob? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, how, how, do, how do you feel about that? Um, talk, talking about leaders... Like um, like Pastor Joel Osteen talking about preachers like um, like Pastor Copeland, um, I really try to be careful. <laughs> yes, um, because even though some of their practices may not be exemplary, sometimes there are those points where God legitimately does speak through them. Mm. Um, the Bible talks the, like there's a scripture that says, "Touch not my 
touch not my, my anointed, neither do my prophets harm. Um, you know, wait for the siren. That's the sound of the police. He's on to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, when, right when we ask this question, <laughs> the woo, feds is coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, well, I will, uh, we'll, we'll talk over the sirens, no matter what they're saying. Um, it's really our duty as believers to make sure that we're discerning the the right pastors, the right preachers who will give us the food that we need to grow. Sure. Um, and um, it's difficult to really talk about a lot of the megachurch pastors who are making billions upon billions of dollars. Untaxed. Um, <laughs> and who, who have these extravagant um, spending habits. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I'll just say this. A broken clock is, is right twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's enough. still a broken clock. Right. And, 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 you know, I, I, I mean, I don't, not to trample over your answer, no, no. but just Sorry, to off, no, offer some of my own thoughts is like, I don't think mega churches are inherently bad, but I do think like anything, the bigger something is, the more likely that a flaw will go unnoticed, mm-hmm. uh, the more likely for there to be small little uh, um, wrongdoings that can kind of be covered, swept up in the spectacle. It's, and It becomes a yeah. snowball effect. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, there's, it's easy, obviously, to talk about like the Osteens and Copelands, but mm-hmm. you even have someone like A.R. Bernard uh, mm-hmm. running the Christian Cultural Center out of Brooklyn, which um, my father is a member of the ICB, uh, International Christian Brotherhood, that was founded by him. And um, A.R. Bernard is really interesting because he, his pedagogy and his doctrine is all based in human flourishing. He's like the whole Bible is really about God trying to allow human humanity to flourish mm-hmm. and trying to get us back to that. So. He, for a few years, and I think he talked about it even on Oprah. He was on Oprah. Uh, you know you've made it when you're on Oprah. Uh, <laughs> was Has been working on this community development project to actually raise the, um, the property value and access to education and arts and all that stuff within Brooklyn for Brooklyn. Um, and stuff like that I think is admirable, right? Because that, to me, also signals... I think there are certain tenets of Christianity... When you, when, you know, people get like antsy about the uh, religiosity of it. But when you talk about volunteer work, when you talk about feeding the homeless, feeding the poor, when you talk about, you know, sitting among people from different walks of life and not sitting among them in condemnation, um, being able to have, again, relationship, Mm -hmm. like that is stuff that I think people usually can get behind. So when I look at pastors who do work like that, I find it really commendable mm-hmm. because it's one thing to say, and now we're building another church mm-hmm. on a hundred acres of land. And you know what I mean? It's like, okay, but if now, oh no, I'm actually, I'm trying to build houses. I'm trying to build a performing arts center. I'm trying mm-hmm. to build schools. I'm trying to, I mean, you know, like LeBron built a school and we, for the most part, we're like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> you know, we like that. Mm-hmm. Whether, I don't know how they're performing over there academically, but I think stuff like that um, is really cool. And I think that's the type of thing that you can, that obviously takes a certain amount of tangible wealth to be able to do. So, I I agree. I definitely agree because the church is supposed to be the the thermostat of the community in many ways. Mm, cool. Um, if the church if the church is prospering, the community should be prospering as right. well. Right. It shouldn't be draining from. It the shouldn't community. be draining the community. It should be causing the the community to prosper. Yeah. Because. You notice where any everywhere Jesus went, 
there was always a change that took place. There was always a healing that took place. There was always um, like the miraculous and the supernatural that took place. So if that's what Jesus was, why aren't we acting like that? Or why isn't, well, in some cases, why isn't the church acting in that particular way? What concerns me, which goes back to what some of these ministries are doing is that they're taking from the communities, but there's nothing really going back into the communities. Um, what you're talking about, what you're talking about with pastors like A.R. Bernard, who is actually who's doing work in the communities. That that's what we're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and the accruement of wealth, as, like yes, gather wealth, but at the same time, what are you using it for? To buy a fancy car, or are you using it to go to put it back into the missions? Are you put using it to put it back into um, the allotment of resources to communities that are not necessarily able to get to those particular resources. Mm-hmm. So you you do need wealth. The Bible talks about how money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. That's and a good one. Money is an inanimate object, and it does nothing. It's, it's a, a resource. It's a, it's a piece of paper. It's a, exa- it's a resource. But it, it's what it does to people. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's all in, in people. Mm-hmm. That's just already within them. And we see that with... A lot of pastors who are who are wealthy, they're constantly battling between, okay, I love God, but I'm also getting a lot of this money as well, and so I, and so, the Bible talks about we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, so we're constantly dealing with that that struggle. Like, do I do this or do I do that? Do I do this in ministry? Do I do that for myself? Because we're not again, we're not perfect. Sure. So. Um, some of us do cons- succumb to more and more to others, but when we when we see the use of of, um, of monetary funds to not just um, to build up the community, but also make sure that the church is maintained, of course, take care of it. Take care of the business that's required, but um, you don't need to. A pastor doesn't need a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> a pastor doesn't need a Bugatti. <laughs> well, what 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 effective ministry are you doing with a Bugatti? <laughs> You're passing out tracks from your Maserati rolling down. <laughs> yeah, just get a Toyota Corolla and you'll be fine. You'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a, like if you want to go fast, get a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at the example of Jesus, Jesus wasn't Jesus wasn't rolling with the rich like that. <laughs> Certainly not. He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Make a lot of money. He he he. <laughs> Today it'd be decent though. They those guys have a union. But like, if we're really supposed to emulate Jesus, we're supposed to put on that sense of humility. We know who we are. <laughs> If we really wanted to do certain things, we could, but the mere fact that we're not here to, to showboat, we're really here to just to really get the work done and get to where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> that's what our that's what we're supposed to be. This is not our heaven. My bishop always talks about how um, we're not living to stay here; we're living to leave. <laughs> mm. We are living to leave. So anything that we can do to help somebody, anything that we can do to uplift somebody or cause somebody to be lifted up from their dark places into greater heights. That's that's our mandate. That's our literal mandate. Jesus was cleansing the lepers, being uh, hanging out among, among people that the priests would not hang around. Harlots, tax collectors, yeah, <laughs> people who did some shady stuff. Zac, even like when you like the story of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who was wealthy, taxed the taxed the Romans, taxed the Jews. Jesus stopped in the middle of his tracks, saying, "I'm going to your house today." <laughs> And just that one encounter caused a whole shift for him. So if that is what Jesus did, imagine what we can do because the scripture talks about how um, greater signs shall ye perform 
in my name. You know who you are, you're a royal priesthood, and you walk in that, but also take on that humility, but also walk in the knowledge of who you are. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe in um, evolution? My God, Ahmad, <laughs> you're right here with me, literally. <laughs> Because now, because I saw you put a team, I'm like, he's really about to do this right now. <laughs> sorry, I'm, it's just that's crazy. We're, we're just we're just gonna like dig now. We're gonna, we're gonna dig into it. Evol- evolution, in what sense? Materialism, Darwinism, Darwinism, right? Mm-hmm. You know something? It's it's interesting. Darwin Darwin himself was saved. <laughs> Darwin himself was a Christian. Um, ev- evolution. There's, I believe that there is evolution to a certain extent, not to a point where it's just like you're, you're a furry creature and now you're a fully, fully upstanding human. Homo erectus. If, is that an AKA? No, no. no homo I, know, I know what it is. I was just being. <laughs> no, it's another dad, a dad joke I came up with too. I'll tell you later. <laughs> homo sapiens, Neanderthals. Um, um, right. The idea of like being an amoeba and then suddenly being Jude. Mm. <laughs> day you're an amoeba one day you're jude it's a tough how how we get there yeah no um, <laughs> i mean evolution is a, as a way is an attempt to describe or attempt to scientifically explain creation where did we come from um and i believe it's a definitely a great explanation but i don't think it's the full story there's a lot of different missing links, but when you go back to the scripture, it talks about how um, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. And it talks about how there was like the spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep and moved in the face of the waters and all these different things. And God said, "Let there be light." And so when God speaks, there has to be a reaction. So of course, when when he, God speaks, there's like a there's a cellular reaction, there's a physical reaction, there's all these different things that are operating at once. And I think Darwin was trying to explain that but he couldn't really necessarily he didn't really know how to put that into words um we have the dinosaurs we have all these different forms of life that came into being but um at the same time it doesn't really put all the points together in terms of the story our story of creation we know what the bible says but in terms of the physical attributes we're still trying to find the proof that Mm -hmm. goes with the scripture do you think it's our business do you think we have a right to know that? Um, or, or are we just going to, like, living our lives is us earning the right to find that out once we're, you know, off of this, off of this earth? Um, I'll, answer, I'll answer with the scripture. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, said, there's so much I have. I, there's so much I want to show you. There's so much I have yet to show you, but you're not yet ready for it. Um. I think at some point, truth will come to light. But um, at this present moment, how like our our assignment is not necessarily to um, our 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 assignment is not necessarily to be focused on how this happened. Is to operate in this, complete our assignment, and then we can ask questions. <laughs> Yeah, Grown folks' know, business, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it's it's an interesting question, Ahmad, because I mean, I as I've gotten older, I've found that for me, I don't necessarily look at science as something that has to contradict faith. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think of it oftentimes as, like Seneca said, um, our attempts at explaining those things that are unexplainable. Um, I also think that generally we, you know, the, the Bible, certainly there are aspects of it that are meant to be historical or an account of history. But there's also like, like even when you're just reading the Bible, you'll go from verse one to verse five and 500 years have passed. And it's like, Oh, all right. And you, you won't know that just from reading it, but then you have to find out, you know, you do it, you dig and you do some research and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess this is the time that's passed, which in, always indicates to me that like there is room again within that, within that narrative to potentially allow for some of these things to have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the development of, I mean, there's people who like, even when you talk about creation, there's people who like literally think it took seven days. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who think that's, a metaphor, you know, for, or that's how it's explained to us. Cause we can understand days. Mm-hmm. Um, those seven days could have been seven millennia. Those seven days could have been 700 years. Like, I think, I think about that all the time because I think there's a scripture that talks about how like one day for God is like, a, like a thousand years or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. or even more than that. So imagine like we think seven days, like a week, Yeah, but for like, that's just how we structured our calendar. <laughs> exactly. It has no yeah, bearing necessarily on. But it, like not knowing this could have been like seven thousand years, or like 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 you said, multiple millennia for yeah. this to happen. Yeah. Did you have a follow up? I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um. So, with the question, yes or no. So the, the question is whether I believe in evolution. Hmm. I mean, and you you answered too, so you got to answer that as well. Um, oh, well, yes. You know, I, I believe that. I mean, I think that we've seen that creatures evolve. We've seen that even in modern history. So, yeah, I believe that evolution is a thing. Evolution versus creationism. Mm-hmm. Then I would say no. I think that evolution has a place in the arc of human mm-hmm. existence. But okay. I don't think it's the explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, That's me. You the I'm, guest. I'm so, no, 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 no. <laughs> I... I Putting, putting everything you said into a smaller box, I don't believe in not Darwinian theory, of uh, Darwin's theory of evolution, but I do believe that there is some sort of evolution. Who mankind is now is nothing like what mankind was 10,000 years ago. What animals are around now are not like how they were 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Elephants. Some of them are not even here anymore. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Some of them mm. are extinct. Rest in peace to the white rhino, I think, or the black rhino. One of them went extinct very recently. It was probably the black one, apparently. I feel like I think, no, it was the white one. It, it was the white one? It was the white, white. one. Damn, that's crazy. But yes, to your point, I do believe in evolution, but not in Darwin's theory. I think Darwin, he, he was great to a certain extent, but he there was so, there's so, still so many gaps. Mm. He, he missed mm. the shot. Not for nothing. There's a really There's a really funny Always Sunny episode. Uh, where, oh, yeah. <laughs> where Mac is trying to prove a case for creationism and he, and he basically goes through this whole diagram of how like different scientists, everyone thought that that person was the smartest scientist at the time they said something and then later they turned out to be wrong. So like Galileo thinking- You're being it. so good about it. That's not what he said. No, he did. Well, you can- No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but, uh, but yeah, like Galileo and then Isaac Newton and then, you know, whatever, whatever. So even, yeah, our- 
scientific understanding of, of the world has been and is continuing to evolve. Do you, do you have a do you have a question? I have yeah. like a few more deep questions, but then I do have a fun question for later. Mm-hmm. So I'll let Justin. You know. go, go ahead. Okay. You're, you're on a roll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> often as a kid, mm-hmm. me growing up in the church, um, I have always heard the terms of, you know, always keep God first. Always make sure you go in his footsteps. Don't do anything that is out of the Bible or else you will be condemned to hell. Yes. Struck down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I do feel like all the time we have gotten that. And in a way, I feel like that is more, it was more so it, 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 it can be trauma to, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be it can be traumatic, and, and and a lot of things. There are a lot of things that people do in the church, and people who are members of the church who have committed acts that are not wicked. within the eyes of God, mm. which are very wicked. Wicked, and <laughs> still to this day, they are seen as someone who had committed a sin, and you know they still do things in the eyes of God, but knowing those people they feel like they are still able to go to heaven even if um within within the word they are condemned Mm. to what we call hell um i know you were saying you know we will ascend to heaven but i'm gonna just say there are people in here who don't believe and what about purgatory yeah (laughs) and but at the same time do you not feel like they are able to Sorry, they're not willing to go uh, towards or like the the, the good the beyond after the good heaven place. or go <laughs> to heaven. Like, let's let's just get into that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, conversations on heaven and hell are a completely different conversation <laughs> altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Seneca cast part two. But I, before I get. To that part and remind if I don't get to that part, please remind me. Mm-hmm. If not, it could be a part two. It could be a part two. I'm willing for, I'm, no, I'm, I, because I really want to talk, get to the point of um, people who, who who are dealing with a church hurt, who are dealing with um, mm-hmm. who are who know that right. there's stuff that's happening behind the scenes, <laughs> and some of the stuff that's happening in the church is even more wicked than what's happening out in the world. <laughs> um, all all these different um, cases, all these different. Um, all, all, all these different things that are swept under the rug and kept in closets. Lord yeah. only knows how many skeletons lie in the closets of some of these churches. Mm. Um, and the thing we have to re- remember in the midst of it all is that um, even though we're saved, we're, we're not perfect. <laughs> this is not like mm-hmm. our, our, our salvation is not a get out of jail free card. It's not a. Um, okay, do this and now you no longer sin and you're now fully perfect and you can do anything you can do and all. It's not. (laughs) What happens when you become saved is that you go through a process of sanctification. That's a process of when the things that you used to do, you no longer do anymore. So if you were a liar, you were a pimp, you were were a prostitute, like all these different things. Like I'm saying the the extremes, but like Mm. when you come into salvation, you start to, those things little by little just get peeled off of you bit by bit so that you're coming into a whole new evolution of yourself of who you are Mm. the bible talks about how um 
they who are in Christ are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things are made new. That doesn't mean we're perfect right off the bat, but it's it's that constant process of certain things being broken off, some things easier than others, um, and some things are more graphic than others. <laughs> we're so quick to think that because we got saved, we we're in a position where we can judge other people. Oh. Yes, I was out in the streets, but I got saved. And um, sister so and so, she got pregnant out of wedlock, so now she can't. She can't be part of this church anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this earlier. A, a lot of Christians forget what it was like, right? And um, again, in this idea of studying, you know, and at this point in my life, I'm really like, okay how did Jesus live and how can I try to match that? Cause that's, it's called Christianity. The, the man's name is in the name of the religion. So what did he do and how can I try to do that? And um, again, this idea of a man who would, was comfortable in uncomfortable situations, mm-hmm. you know, had no judgment. There wasn't a problem if he was sitting somewhere and someone smelly came and sat down next to him. Um, and it, it is so easy to see someone come in through the, the front entrance of the church and maybe they're a little shambling and maybe they don't have everything together and immediately everyone's turning their nose up and saying, oh Lord, what happened to her? My God in mm-hmm. heaven. Instead of remembering, hey, one time you looked like that. Love that neighbor, God damn it. <laughs> Love that neighbor, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it, 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 it proves exactly what you were saying that mm-hmm. like we... It's so quick for us to forget. Like, to act Hollywood. You know, mm. a friend of mine calls it, um, well, one of my mentors, he says, we get spiritual amnesia. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. We forget, like, we were, we were doing, we were doing, we, had it been, even a year ago, we would have been right up there <laughs> dancing with him on the table. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or that, or that uh, there's another saying, you know, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Exactly. <laughs> but, That's nice. But going, really going to your point about heaven and hell, what, the point of Jesus coming was to show us out of the situations that we're in because sin is great. <laughs> sin feels great. Sin feels good. But at the same time, there's no, there's no spiritual recourse. There's no spiritual depth. There's no, there's no life. You just, like you do all this stuff, but at the, at the end of the day, you still feel dead on the inside. You can drink until you can, until you pass out, but the next day you're still you're back looking for that same for that high. You're looking for that same feeling, but it's just like you can't sustain that. Um, and you're dealing with all this different stuff that's happening, like not just physically but also spiritually, like things that are tormenting you, things that are biting at you. You're dealing with like traumas from when you were a kid, dealing with hurts, dealing with um, with psychological traumas. What Jesus was was the solution to that problem. <laughs> like he said, like I, like he's like even when he was leaving, behold, I am with you always, even to even until the end of time. He said, behold, I am the God that healeth you. <laughs> this was a solution to the people who were hurting. This is Jesus is a solution to the people who were cast aside because of their because of who they who the, who they were, <laughs> who they are, um, and in doing that, we're coming out of. That that's the essence of coming out of darkness and coming into light, mm. coming coming out of certain habits, so that we can take on, uh, take on the real regality that God bestowed upon us from the beginning of time, 
do you, like when when you, when you think about it when Bible talks about how God created Adam, God spoke all these. All, God spoke creation. He spoke. He said, "Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Let there be all of these different things." But the thing that made man different was the fact that God took His own hands and went into the dirt and like molded man out of the dirt. And not He didn't just mold man out of the dirt. He took His own breath and breathed into this particular this, this piece of dirt. <laughs> mm. And, and the Bible says, and man became a living soul. No other creation is like that. <laughs> he said, let us make man in our own image. And then, of course, we know about the fall, how, be, how because of original sin, we, we were kicked out of the garden and we became dead un, unto God. But what Jesus did was like, okay, I'm, I'm here to bring you back to life. Mm. I'm here to take you out of where you fell. I'm here to meet you where you fell and to take you back up to these different places with me. The Bible talks about we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Mm. Jesus, this same Jesus who is the Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So that pathway to heaven, it's not, it's us accepting this gift that's been offered to us. Do you want to come out of where you are now? Jesus said to the man at the, at the, at the water, will, do, will thou be healed? Mm-hmm. Will thou be made whole? That's the question. That's the foundation of our faith. Will you be healed? Will you be made whole? Or will you succumb to your own devices? Will you try to take things on by yourself? Will you try to carry your own burdens and just do this whole thing by yourself? Make yourself subject to everything that's going on all, all around you and just waste away in misery? <laughs> only to go to a place where other people are just as miserable who want to be among people who are miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's becoming apparent to me that we will need to have you back on the show because <laughs> there's a lot of questions and a lot of topics that are coming up. Um, so we can definitely organize that. I want to, I have this or that questions for you that I want to, I want us to, 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 to ask. Um, but before I do that, um, I want to ask you this. Um, if you can call one to mind, what's the most enriching encounter you've had with someone of a different faith? And not that it had to challenge your own, not that it had to make you think maybe I'm doing the wrong thing, but that it was enriching to you mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Um, my mind goes back to Pace University, um, because there was a there was an organization another religious organization that that was there called Muslim Student Association, mm-hmm. um, and before I became president, before the president of that time became president, we sort of knew each other, and we were we were cordial with each other. We didn't know really know each other's um, spiritual background, but when uh, when Trump was elected. I remember when um, he issued the travel ban on Muslims mm. coming into the country, and so um, from that particular point, it was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> we all have a common humanity. Why aren't we joining together to really look out for one another? Um, so what ha- what happened was that um, I, my administration worked with um, Muslim Student Association's administration. We really just had a really in-depth conversation Mm -hmm. uh, even about religion but just talking about humanity and how we really are supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves yeah treat others the way that you want to be treated and that's like one of the greatest commandments um 
so we worked together and we even did a campaign that said um the slogan was no hate no fear you're welcome here mm. <laughs> like when the, if the bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself it shouldn't matter what the religion and you're like 19 from. you're like 19 when this happened i was like 19 when this happened so i i can have an in-depth conversation with a Muslim, I can have an in-depth conversation with a Hindu. I can have an in-depth conversation with a Buddhist, and sometimes they're even more in-depth than having <laughs> than some of the conversations I have with a Christian, mm-hmm. because we can really like it's we're really just picking each other's brains, and we're not we're not even though we not might not agree on certain doctrines. It's like how you view the world is kind of connecting the dots, and how I view the world and our exchanges are really just enriching our own knowledge yeah so when when it comes to when it comes to other religions it's just like don't look down sure <laughs> you mm-hmm. talk talk to have conversations yeah go for go for coffee have it's it's not a sin to be a to, to be a friends with somebody that's outside of your religion and yeah. that's that's a misconception for, for for a lot of for a lot of say people if you're safe you don't you, you can't talk to these to certain people um I, I even I would say I even have I have friends that are a part of the Jewish community, mm-hmm. and we have these in depth conversations that could go for hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like we leave. But even though we haven't we haven't necessarily converted each other, it's just like we leave better than when we were. Sure. So that's my that's my input. That's my those are my thoughts. That's my thought. yeah. <laughs> no, I I think that's beautiful. Um, I think. Uh, Sometimes I think that all these different religions and faiths that mankind have come up with are really just different ways to try to explain the same truths. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the this or that. Uh, <laughs> so these are just quick. This exciting uh, tone of his just. <laughs> <laughs> This is that. It's late. It's you know. It's a late time, and I appreciate my co-hosts and obviously our guests, but my co-hosts for being good sports and hanging in and making this work. I love y'all. I love this Thank shit for right for, for hanging out with me. This is um, so okay. I wish we got paid to do this. We will. One <laughs> day. Speak um, things not. I uh, okay. So here we go. Now I don't think either of these artists were on your favorite gospel artist list that you sent us, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, two of my favorites: Hezekiah Walker or John P. Key. Whoa! Should have put Richard Smallwood in mm. there too. He's already on his favorite list. That's okay. That's <laughs> difficult. Um, like how difficult? You know something like the bump of my childhood is, is like John Peaky's "Jesus Is Real." Ah, uh, no. That's like yeah. <laughs> that. That whole drive was just always like I. I vividly remember that, but recent I'm just like I'm. I'm listening to Hezekiah Walker's like "Jesus Is the Lie." Mm. Like, like they were the definition of '90s gospel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, no. Let me ask this question: Are we talking '90s John P. Key and '90s um, Hezekiah Walker? Or I was looking Hezekiah at the totality of their careers. I, ne- I, I never heard a, a '90s Christian music conversation in my entire life. This is a first, <laughs> bro. When I tell you '90s Christian music, no, or just '90s gospel music. Period. Shh, it, the 90s was it popping was, for everybody. Bro, bro, Jude, let it, me tell you something. Fucking fire. Okay. <laughs> but yes, sir, you're still on the you're still on the hot seat. <laughs> He's still in the hot seat. But a lot of gospel artists. Period. Nineties. No, they went. They had hits. hits. Fred, Fred Hammond. There's a whole. I'm, we'll do this afterward. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bread of life. <laughs> this is the behind the scenes feature. <laughs> yeah. of HBO. Let's limit it to the nineties then, to if the that's 90s. easier for you. Mm. In the back of your mother's car. <laughs> 
with your iPod Nano. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is difficult. Um, because I, I even think about like John P. Q's. I do, I do worship like mm, that. That's just my that. fucking jam. We do that in church all the time. <laughs> yeah. For I your do. goodness, yeah. boom, boom. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yo, sorry. <laughs> and then I just think about like Hezekiah Walker's power like, belongs to power God. belongs to God, yeah. and just like, like um, you are important to me. I mm. need you to like. I need you to. That was our benediction song. <laughs> yeah, we we sing that. Um, I'm gonna have to set a, a timer on you, aren't I? Yo, word, you are. <laughs> He's too it's, it's like Zeus with the headache. Like, he has <laughs> 15 seconds. Um, do, do, you know what? Do, 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 I'm gonna go with John Peaky. Okay. Thank you. I think it was the right choice. I think it was the right choice. <laughs> um, yes. And and finally, uh, this one. I know this is gonna take a while to answer. <laughs> Wait, what question is this? Um, Psalms or Proverbs? Oh, shoot. The book of worship versus the book of wisdom, although they're technically both books of wisdom, depending on who you ask. Um, Psalms. <laughs> that was fairly quick. Because All right. Psalms, Psalms in many ways taught me how to worship. Hmm. Um, Pro- Proverbs, my, I really learned the Proverbs by li- like being around my grandparents and being a lot around a, a lot of <laughs> a lot of elders in my family. Sure. So reading Proverbs was like really hearing like hearing hearing the words of my grandfather the words of my grandmother and like every part like all the elders that really sewed into me but psalms really taught me how to worship like when when you look look in psalms it's like um praise god praise god in his sanctuaries praise god with the sound of the trumpet praise with the timbrel and dance everything that has breath praise the lord praise the lord love that love that song (laughs) um Stars are shining. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, when you when you look at Psalms and you really meditate on it, it really shows you how 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 to get to that place. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Yeah, and then it's like um, uh, mm, so many. I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord. My feet shall stand within the gates of the Jerusalem." And then there's another one that goes into um. Uh, my soul, my soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall be live, shall hear thereof and be glad. And then that even even the ones that always that's always quoted. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And then it's that that key verse that says. Um, he restores my soul. Mm-hmm. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So when you think about that, it really causes your spirit to just well up w- with the worship. And so Psalms, yeah. it's the Psalms. Two, it's the of Psalms the, for me. two of the greatest pens ever, uh, David and Solomon, uh, father and son. And I think Psalm really does, the book of Psalms really does capture the poetry of, of praise and worship, which is obviously why most of them are turned into gospel hymnals. Um, thank you for indulging our game. And now Jude, uh, <laughs> with you, I read this question and I said, this man can't be serious. Uh, but go ahead. Um, you're a fan of Avatar uh, The Last Airbender, correct? Yes. I'm so actually wearing, uh, this was not planned. I'm wearing an Avatar hell. The Last Airbender shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some discourse going on around the internet about our, our good old Uncle Iroh. Do you think Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender, when he was in the prison of the Fire Nation, uh, he converted to uh, Islam? <laughs> 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 Yo! <laughs> 
think it was in there doing push-ups and reading the the, the forty-eight oh, laws of power. My goodness, <laughs> reading the Quran, doing crunches. Oh, that brother. He read the Bible too, of course. There. You know, it's it's a jail nigga Bob, um, library. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's the, the Bible, Quran, the Quran, the Torah, forty laws of power. <laughs> Maybe um, Machiavelli's book, <laughs> the Prison Library. <laughs> That's another podcast we're starting. <laughs> Look Yo. out for the Prison Library, a book review show coming in 2026. <laughs> we'll continue. Um, that is that sounds great. Y'all think the I'm prison joking? Library. <laughs> oh Between the bars. <laughs> I hate you, bro. Yo. I'm sorry. We're giving Seneca time to think. I, 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 think, I think I have. I think okay. I have. Um, in one word, no. Mm. <laughs> no? Because when I think about um, persons who converted to Islam and joined these different organizations within the prisons and came out, they became very like militant. militant. Yeah. They became very um, in their own world. They viewed certain things a certain way. When Iro, when Uncle Iro, mm. came out of prison, he came out with such a greater understanding of life a greater knowledge that broke through Zuko's walls. Mm. Yeah. One, like just, just one conversation completely changed Zuko's perspective. Yeah. So when I look at, I, when, when I look at uncle Ira, I don't see, <laughs> I don't, I don't see him within the context of he was in prison. So he converted, he converted in that way. I see him as one who elevated, <laughs> Um, because he he was wise in the beginning, yeah, but it became real for him in prison. <laughs> mm. So to the point where now when he speaks, he he speaks with power. Well, now when now when he firebends, he's not just he doesn't just firebend. He can do all these do all these different abilities. It's like he became cross movie cross movie reference. He became is it Mor- Morpheus? He sure. became he, he became Morpheus yeah. in a way. Yeah. I did not expect Seneca to answer that question with such depth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gave right. a serious right. answer. I'm do like, you look up to Do you look up to Uncle Iroh just a little bit? I I feel I feel I feel Uncle Iroh because he's in a place where well, he's a part of the Fire Nation and the people don't like the Fire Nation, <laughs> but at the same time, he's such a valuable character, even outside the Fire Nation. Yeah. Um. And I think that comes from the fact that he suffered loss. He lost his own son because of a war that was initiated by the Fire Nation against all these different tribes. So I, I look up to him in that way because I, I, I really feel him in that I, I feel him in that way. You feel that you feel with him that way through your Christian faith because a lot of people do not like Christian faith. Or the Christian church. So, do you maybe identify with him that way as if you're maybe an Uncle Iroh within the Fire Nation of Christianity? I know I'm being a little spicy with that one, <laughs> but like, it's, it's just how my brain kind of like connected that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'd be able to answer yes or no in that particular regard because Iroh, Iroh never really looked at himself. He was always really just trying to be there for. Zuko trying to be a voice of reason um you know may, may, maybe to to me Iroh represents a sort of remnant that was that's that, that the fire nation nation possesses 
many people turned in the Fire Nation, but Iroh never changed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and kind of in a way represents that, that uh, Christian tenet of being in the world, but not of it, right? Exa- in the Fire Nation, but not mm-hmm, of, of it. Because his love, his love was genuine. Yeah. <laughs> he, no, matter, no matter who he interacted with, his love was genuine. When I think there was an episode where somebody tried to rob him. Mm. And mm-hmm. Iroh I was like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Your stance is like, it's, it's yeah. all wrong. Here, let me show you. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but he didn't just, he, he didn't call for help. He's like, let me talk to y'all really quick. Mm-hmm. Taking every opportunity to teach, actually. Teach. Even, even, in, even in his self-defense and even in his combat, mm-hmm. he was looking for ways to instruct. Even when he was fighting Azul, he was like, girl, you ain't ready for this. I don't want this. You don't want this. You want these problems. (laughs) You ain't about that action. (laughs) Like it's it's such a burden to kill. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Well, when we invite you back, Seneca, we'll we'll make sure uh, not only to continue with some of the spiritual and religious inquiries, but to do a full avatar. Uh, recap uh, <laughs> to get character <laughs> breakdowns. Um, that sounds like a media morgue episode. <laughs> Honestly, it could be. But we should um, really talk about Azula, though. Let's just put Azula on the table and really just break down. Like, why is Azula the way that she is? Yeah. What did she go through? Well, you want to talk about hurt? That's that's a, <laughs> definitely a character. That's a lot of hurt. church hurt, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fuck ton that's, of that's church jealous, hurt, right that's there. Jealousy. That's like that's hatred. That's yeah. Mommy issues. Yep. That's that's like uh, a whole bunch of bullshit that she's perfectionism. Her head. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism. Who knew that we'd wind up here? Uh, Seneca, <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yes. Um, uh, is there any final note, anything you want to plug or anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, if you have a vision, pursue it. If Solid. It, if it looks strange, even if it looks strange, check it out. Hmm. <laughs> um stranger things have happened in the faith mm. Moses saw a burning bush and next thing you know he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt <laughs> mm. if you have a vision if you even see something that piques your interest look at it take some time to study it because this faith walk if, you, if you're saved even if you're in, a, in, different, in different disciplines take a look explore see what your giftings are and don't be afraid to use them and to really um, just hone in and grow with them don't let society try to dictate what certain what what certain what it means to be safe what it means to be what it means to be human really just take the time to number one really delve into your relationship with god and just let your life flourish let your life flourish (laughs) (laughs) lovely man it was lovely uh, to have you on the show, Beautifully Seneca. said. Thank you so much. Thank, uh, thank, thank you so much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want more Uptown Love, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Podbean app, and YouTube. Rate and review the show wherever you get it. It helps us out a great deal. Seneca will be back, I'm sure. Uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, read your Bible, drink water. Rock out in a sauna for a little while. <laughs> I fuck with the saunas. Yeah. Wear a eucalyptus towel on your head. Yo. In Jesus' name, though. In Jesus' name. Mr. Fortune. Love you. Thank you.